Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you, Lord God, that you fight our battles for us. Thank you, Lord, that you're a good King, that you're a good Father, Heavenly Heavenly Father. You know, church, this morning, I feel like that Scripture in Ezekiel is, I'm going to give you a new heart and a new spirit. So if that's you here this morning and you feel like I need a new heart and a new spirit, I really want to stand with you down the front and just pray for you. I'm not going to give you a new heart and a new spirit, but I'm going to stand and believe with you that Jesus is going to give you a new heart and a new spirit this morning. So if that's you this morning, I just want to pray with you. I don't know what you're going on in your world, but if you feel like you want a new heart and a new spirit, I'd really, really love to pray for you down the front this morning. If anybody's here this morning, thank you, Lord. I really feel like the old is gone and the new has come. The old is gone, the old heart is gone and the new has come. The old spirit is gone and the new has come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, I'm praying for both of you guys. Yeah, thank you for these two. Oh, Lord, I pray. Lord God, that they're just responding to the Holy Spirit this morning to give them a new heart and a new spirit. I pray, Lord, that you fill them up, that you remove the heart of stone and you put in a heart of flesh. Lord God, for new wine, for a new moulding in their spirit, a new moulding in their minds, a new moulding in their hearts and in their lives, Lord Jesus. So I stand with you, you guys this morning for a new heart and a new spirit in Jesus' name. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We pray for Pete this morning. Lord, once again, he's just responding to the call of a new heart and a new spirit. And I pray that you give him a new heart and a new spirit this morning. I pray you just fill him up with your Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord Jesus. Lord God, you know what's going on in his world. You know what's going on in his mind and in his body and in his heart. And Lord God, we know that you're a good God and a great God. And I pray over the coming days and weeks, Lord God, that he'll look back from today onwards and go, wow, it was that morning that you gave me a new heart and a new spirit and a new spring in his step. So we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good job, Pete. Hey, thank you, Jesus. Oh, there's one more person. Come on. Let's do it. Hey, thank you for Ellie. Hey, why don't you pray for Ellie? Do you have to listen to me? You can just pray for her. Oh, Lord God, pray for Ellie. Lord God, for a new spirit in her, in her being, in her soul, Lord God. We pray for a new heart within her. And Lord God, we're just standing here as a family of believers this morning, praying for a change in her spirit and a change in her heart, that from this day forward that she will be different, that the old is gone and the new has come, that a new life awaits her, that there's like a doorway and she's walking through it into a new life with a new spirit and a new life with you. And a new heart. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Ellie. Good job. Ah, hey guys. Hey, and if you didn't, if you wanted to come down the front, but it's a bit awkward, come talk to me afterwards and I'll pray for you, or one of our pastors will pray for you for sure. Does that sound alright? Yeah? No worries. Hey guys, why don't you give everyone a clap? Good job, great singing. Thanks, worship team. Great job. You guys can have a seat. Awesome. Such good. Yeah, guys, have a seat. Sit down. Thanks. Good job. Ethan, can we turn those lights down a little bit? No, no, I mean the, these ones because I'm like, I'm getting blinded. But the other ones can be up because I like seeing lovely faces. Um, awesome. They'll figure it out. Hey, how are you guys going today? You good? Yeah, awesome. 
Awesome. Um, today I'm continuing um, our, our finishing, uh, except for tonight, there's a, a service tonight, um, finishing our series on generosity of keeping open house. Okay, so I'll be sharing about that th- this morning. Uh, and I'll be preaching out of Matthew 5, uh, verses 14 to 16. And it says this, you're here to be a light, bringing out um, the God colors in the world. How cool is that? That you're here to be a light. You know, if you're, if you're looking for purpose in the Bible, there you are, you're here to be a light. You and I are here to be a light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God's not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you on there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. And this is what I'll be preaching out of this morning. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. You know, when I saw the topic of generosity, I was like, how do you preach generosity to a church that's so generous? How do you do it? I don't know how to do it. How do you preach to somebody that, like Christy, you, church all week looking after you? That's community. That's, that's generosity. How cool is that? You know, my wife was um, sick last week from Sunday to the following Monday in bed, sick as I've ever seen her. And um, the people bringing food around. My mum was like, do you need food? I was like, no, nah, mum, I'm all good. And then she was like, well, don't you like my food, didn't you? <laughs> It's not going to be apricot chicken, Matt, like when you were a kid. I said, no, 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 it's not that. Uh, it's that so many people have brought over food. We've got too much. Generosity of family and community. So um, the other day, I was, uh, one of my assistant instructors was running a judo class. He says to the kids, give yourselves a pat on the back. You know how, you know? Give yourselves a pat on the back for being a generous church. So good job for being so generous with your, with your time, with your gifts, serving on team, whether it's opening your house, whether it's smiling at the front door, whether it's giving finances into vision builders, whatever it is, we live and are part of a generous church. How cool is that? How cool is that? You know, people say, oh, so C3 Church Morris, what's that all about? I'm like, oh, well, we preach Jesus, but we're a generous church. We're loving, we're community, we're family, and that's what we're all about. And so good yourself, good job, give yourselves a pat on the back. You know, this passage up above says, keep open house, be generous with our lives, or be generous with your lives. You know, generosity is a lifestyle, it's not a thing you do, it's a lifestyle of generosity. You know, and it always makes me think, like, do I live uh, lifestyle of generosity. Do I? Because when I read the Bible, I'm always challenged. Like, Jesus is just so nice. He's never judgmental. He's always, I mean, he's, he's pretty brutal to some of the uh, Pharisees and Sadducees, but they're being brutal back. You know, he's, you know, there's time for righteous anger, right? But he always has time for people. He's always looking out for people. I'm challenged all the time. That Do I uh, live a life of generosity? Or, or when I die, will, I, will people go, man, that guy lived, a, he, had lived a, he had lived a legacy of generosity. What about you? Will you leave a legacy of generosity? Jesus was generous. He spent time with people. He talked to them. He met their need. And he died for you and I. So I'm not going to talk about being more generous or how to make you more generous because I think you guys are already generous. But what I want to do is just, uh, was, my message was going to be, look out, generosity about or something tacky like that. But I think I just kept it as open, keep open house. Um, <laughs> But I'm going to talk to you about the byproduct of generosity. What happens on the other end of your, you and I, your, you, our generosity? Let's just say our, our generosity, all right? Not you and I. Uh, when we're generous people, you know, the first century church grew. Okay, so Jesus died. He rose again. He hung out with the disciples. He said, "Wait for Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to hit." Then he ascended to heaven. Then the Holy Spirit came in Acts two, and the church, the New Testament church, was birthed. And from there. Christianity exploded in Jerusalem. One, because people saw Jesus preaching after 
rising again to the Spirit of God. But third of all, people's lives changed. They went from not talking to Samaritans who were the, 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 the outcasts. We don't talk to them, to talking to them. They were loving on people. The first century church grew on the generosity of the Jesus followers, the disciples, the Christians, whatever you want to call them. The church grew on the generosity of people like you and I and the generosity into the world. And Acts reads is all about that. Acts talks about they met house to house. They shared food. They broke bread. They loved on one another. And by doing that, people start asking questions. Why are you doing this? You know, Samaritans, didn't, Jews didn't talk to Samaritans. Why are these guys talking to us now? What's with that? The social barriers were being broken. The religious things were being broken by what Jesus teached, preached, and modeled to us. And it changed. People's eyes are going, why, why are you so nice? Well, I'll tell you why I'm nice. Because Jesus died for you and I, and your life matters. You know, we believe that you, sitting there, and people out in the world, out in Monash, have worth. We believe, we are nice and generous because we believe they have worth. We believe you are made in God's image. We believe that you have purpose. We believe that God wants to have a relationship with you. We believe that God has a great life for you. We believe that God has good things planned for you. That's what we believe. We believe that God wants to be real in your world, and he will be real in your world through Jesus Christ. And we believe that Jesus sent... God sent Jesus to die on the cross so we could have a relationship with him. That's what we believe, and that's why we're, gener we're generous. And we love on you because your life matters. Your life actually matters. Um, and uh, I just, I was, oh, yeah. Uh, I've, your life matters, okay? So whatever you're going through in your life, open up to someone. Okay, if you're going through a dark time, open up to someone. Talk to somebody, Okay. Um, just a, a guy I know, his 20-year-old daughter committed suicide last week, and it's just like, oh, her life matters. Your life matters. Like, just open up. Talk to somebody. Your life matters. God loves you. Jesus loves you. Talk to somebody, all right? Because your life matters. You know, a few months ago, I was reading the Bible. I mean, I read it, but a few months ago, I was stuck on. I was stuck on um, Jesus and the woman, the Samaritan woman at the, at the well, all right? Um, and it struck me deep, you know, it struck me deep because I, um, you know, because Jesus is challenging. You read Jesus and you go, oh, man, like he's, he's it's, the Bible's challenging. You read it and go, oh, Jesus is so generous and I'm so judgmental, you know, who, yeah, who does that? Man, he's, you know, and, um, and he broke every social, religious and cultural norm. I'm like, God, what religious, social, and cultural norm am I living by that you want me to break? Like what, what prejudice do I have towards a person or people or I don't know, lifestyle, what, what, how can I change? So I've been stuck on this, uh, this story for a while and it struck me deep and I'll tell you why. So it's in John, John 4 verses 1 to 26. That's, I'm going to read the whole thing. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, which Ben talked about this morning, but his disciples, as in terms of leadership and leading the way. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of the ground Jacob um, had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? 
his disciples had gone into town to buy food. In case you don't know, which is what I was talking about before, Samaria was, um, there's like a, they're just, uh, to not get super in-depth with history and stuff, but the Jews didn't like the Samaritans very much because they were mixed-breed Jews. They weren't, um, they weren't, what's the other word of not mixed-breed, like pure-bred Jews. So the Jews didn't like them because they worshipped on a different mountain rather than Jerusalem. They put their own temple because of all the different stuff. But they didn't like them. Okay, they didn't want to talk to them. They didn't want that sort of stuff. So that was the social norm at the time. But then a Samaritan woman comes in and the Samaritan woman said to him, to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is really deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. So she's thinking water. He's thinking spiritual water. He's saying, Once you receive me, you won't thirst again for stuff. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't go thirsty and I have to keep coming here to draw water. And then he told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you're now with is not your husband. What have you just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but the Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on the mountain nor in Jerusalem. The Samaritans worship that you do not know. We worship what we do know, for the salvation is from the Jews, as in he's Jewish and salvation comes from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. So Jesus says, I am the Messiah, I am. And so this story is Jesus is traveling along. He's thirsty, he wants a drink, he goes to Samaria and there's a woman there. And like it said, Jews don't associate with Samaritans. So straight away, there's a cultural and social norm that's been broken. There's an act of generosity Straight away, Jesus has talked to her. She's like, whoa, whoa, why are you talking to me for? You're not meant to be. Even the act of Jesus talking to her broke something. That act of generosity removed a barrier and a wall. <clears throat> you know, and I've read that um, the city wells were outside the city on a main road, okay? And women would go out and get water in the morning and in the afternoon, okay? And it says here that the woman was out at noon, okay? So... If she's out at noon, she doesn't want to be seen with the other women in morning and she, in the morning time, and she doesn't want to be seen with the women in the evening. She's an outcast. She doesn't want to be seen around. And she came at noon. This is Middle East. It's hot. It's hot, yet she went out at noon. So she's a person that's hurting on the inside. And she had five husbands. So she was trying to distance herself from the community, maybe an outcast. And she had five husbands. Everyone knew either it was through adultery or through her husband dying and then being remarried and dying and remarried. We don't know. But what we matter is that there's, 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 she's an outcast, distanced from the community, has pain on the inside, and Jesus actually breaks down those walls, talks to her about her pain, and opens up her, who are you again? Hang on, who are you? And he says, I'm the Messiah. 
by asking and being generous, by talking to her, by listening to her, by engaging with her, it opens the conversation, which says up here, when we open up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. As he kept open house and as he was generous with his life, he opened up, why are you talking to me for? You're not meant to be talking to me. Why are you doing that? Why? Why are you so generous? And you say to people, well, Jesus loves you and I want to be generous to you. Why are you so generous? Why do you live the way you do? Why do you give money to that church? Why do you give money to compassion? Because I believe every life matters. Every life has intrinsic worth. Every life has a purpose that God has ordained for them. So she's asking all these questions. He's breaking every religious and cultural norm. The act of talking to her and breaking down that barrier has, is an act of generosity. He was generous with his life. You know, I met a, uh, an Indian guy uh, at this church, and he said, oh, do you know what I love about Australians? is Because uh, in India, they have the class system, and it's, it is, it's pretty brutal, uh, brutal. But he said, um, in India, you say, hey, my name's uh, Sandeep. And they go, cool. Uh, and, um, and they go, what's your last name? Because the last name would dictate where you are in the caste system. And so then you say your last name, and he said, you see the, the brain ticking. Uh, oh, yeah, I know where you sit. He goes, in Australia, just tell people your name. They go, they're awesome, man, my name's Matt. There's nothing, there's no judgmentalness. There's nothing going on. It's just, you're just you, and I'm just me. But over there, it's a different. In Jesus' time, it was the same. You're a Samaritan, no. I'm going to cross on the other side of the road. Jesus was breaking those social norms. What social norms in your world? What's in my world? What's in the world in our community that we need to, that we need to break? And by breaking those social norms and cultural norms, or maybe your own prejudice, it will open up people's hearts to open up with God and you can share your faith. You know, Pastor Steve talked about how when they had to move to Canberra and people would say, oh, Canberra is not a very hospitable place. It's pretty cold. It's pretty grey. I mean, it's not that bad. It's, it's great out there. But it's not a hospitable place. So when we are hospitable, when we are generous, we actually are moving in the opposite spirit to the culture that we're in. When Jesus actually was engaging with the Samaritan woman, he was actually moving in the opposite spirit of the day. He was actually moving in not a spirit of anything other than kingdom culture. He was actually moving in the spirit of what God believes and is exactly what God wants us to be doing too. We don't know what's going on in people's worlds. There's a really great quote. We don't know what's going on in people's worlds, but we can be generous. Who knows? Oh, wait. That was my quote. We don't know what's going on in people's worlds, but we can be generous, and who knows what might happen? Who knows what might happen? Uh, the Samaritan woman is fetching water at noon. I don't know what was going on, but Jesus did. He knew what was going on in her world. We don't know what's going on. And this is the quote. Be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. It was, and it was a guy, Philo of Alexandria, like this is third century, I think it is. Be kind, for everyone, for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. You know, I remember when I, we were going through a hard time, uh, Andrew Hill, welcome back from overseas, buddy. Um, <laughs> he gave us uh, a book called Something with the Tiger. Through the eyes of a tiger? Eyes of a lion. Stronger than tiger. And pretty much Levi uh, Lusko, he's a popular preacher these days. I think he has five kids. Um, and one of them had a heart condition and she passed away. And she was about four, I think. Um, but anyway, obviously they had to go to the hospital. And, um, you know, and, and we talked to the doctor. Your daughter's passed away and stuff. 
And he said that on the way home, he went past like a Starbucks. And he said, um, this is the very start of the book, and he said, the lady's like, how you doing? He's like, good. I just get a latte. It was America. It would have been terrible. And then, um, and then she said, then she said um, oh, no, that's $3. Uh, and he's like, yeah, no worries. And she goes, have a great day. And he writes, you don't know the pain on the inside of what you just said to me. Like, have a great, like, you don't know what happened last night. You don't know what is going on in here. Have a great day. And he kind of talks about, like, we don't know what people are going through, so be kind. We don't know what people are going through, so be generous. Because we don't know what battle they're fighting, but we can be generous with our lives, with our actions. And who knows what happens? Who in your world is going through some stuff? broken hands, that we can just make him a meal. Who is going on? Who needs a shoulder to lean on in your world, a shoulder to cry on? Someone to go, do you know what? I don't know, but I'll cry with you. Who comes to mind for you? Starting tomorrow, who is in your world that you can start impacting? And that is the life of a disciple, is to not to do it on Sunday, not to come here and just sing, which is great, but to actually bring this into Monday, into Tuesday, into our workplace, our family. You know, and I mean, for me, often I just feel challenged because so often I talk about myself so much that I miss the pain in other people's eyes. Who's been there? Maybe not. I kind of go, how often has someone stood in front of me? I'm like, yeah, oh, man, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and see you later. And I don't even know. Or I miss those pain cues, you know, in people's eyes or in people's hearts. Like, oh, God, help me to notice them and see them in people because I don't know what's going on in people's lives. So who comes to mind for you? Is it your neighbour, auntie, teacher, your mum or dad, sister, brother, lady at the post office, the shopkeeper, someone who's going through a rough time, person next door? What comes to mind? What could be the outcome of your generosity? What could you do for them? You could talk to them, buy them a coffee, have them for dinner, hug them, text them, make them a meal, take them to the gym, chat to them, laugh with them, cry with them, invite them over for food, flowers, coffee, card. There's actually heaps of stuff we can do. Who can you be kind to? And what could be the outcome of that generosity? Maybe you can share your faith and go, and maybe they'll ask, why are you doing this? They might not, but whatever. This is the life that the first century acts did, house to house, shared meals and generosity. And we see at the end of this story with Jesus that he actually says, I'm here. And straight afterwards, she goes, oh my gosh. And she goes to her, her village and says, come and meet this guy. He told me everything I ever knew. And her whole village, that story I just read in John 4, whole village comes in and they all believe in Jesus. They go, yes, you are the Messiah. You know, what is on the other end of your generosity? You know, I knew a girl that um, um, started working. She was a, a teacher and she was on a placement at Trinity Christian School just down the road. And um, she was a, a non, non-Christian, just went there. And she loved the community. By the end of her, her, her uh, placement, she became a Christian. Because of the worship, the generosity, the love of people. She goes, why are you guys so nice? Oh, well, I'll tell you about what Jesus has done for me. Oh, why are you so nice? And then within four weeks, or maybe it was an eight-week placement, whatever, but she became a Christian. Why? Through the generosity of the church community uh, and the school community. How cool is that? What a great school. Um, but what Jesus saw, um, he didn't see, he saw someone that was down and out with society. He didn't see that, even though I said he just did. He didn't see that. What he saw was a person made by God in his image, that needs to know the love of him in his world. So keep open heart. Live a life of, of generosity. Have a think. Who can you in, impact? Maybe it's a people group. Maybe it's a person. I don't know. But who? 
can you be generous with your life? Do I have, I do have six minutes though. So just lastly, I'll just finish with, um, it says here to keep open home, keep open house. There's something really powerful about bringing people over. Like in Acts, it talks about house to house, house to house, bringing people over house to house all the time. Paul writes often in the New Testament about people eager to, be, uh, to practice hospitable, uh, hospitality. Um, it's obviously the home is a really big deal. Having people over is a really big deal. In 1 Timothy 3, 2, he says, Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach. In the New Living Translation, he said he must enjoy guests. In Romans 12, 13, 1 Peter 4, it talks about sharing your home to strangers and to people. There's something powerful about bringing people over to your house. There's something powerful about giving someone a meal. There's something, something powerful about communion over meal. There's something powerful about being generous and having open home. There's people in our communities all over that are isolated more than ever. And when we bring them over to our house or to connect group or we meet up with them for coffee, we're actually breaking those barriers down through generosity. So generosity changes lives. And we can see that through Scripture time and time again. Inviting people over, having coffees, having meals and whatever it may be. So I just encourage you over the... Over the next few little while, live that life of generosity as you're doing. Just keep going. Keep going. Look out for it. Who can you impact? Who can you look after? But don't beat yourself down about it either. It's, just, it's a lifestyle. It's not a, it's not a you must do. It's, you know, just, just do it. Have people over. Our house is pretty messy. So we've kind of like lowered the standard of how clean it needs to be to have people over. So we're kind of like, oh, you know how it's like, oh, someone... Someone's coming over, we've got to clean the whole house. We kind of clean it to an extent and then oh, it's good enough. Like just don't let a messy house stop you from connecting. Don't let a messy house stop you from having people over. Just have people over. It's messy or not, who cares? Have people over. Have people over. So guys, as we move into the, a new series next month, we're moving into, it says on this scripture, it says, be, keep open house, be generous with our lives. When we open up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. And we're moving into... The new series, which is we, when we open up to others, when we open up another, to others, when we keep open house, when we open up to others, it can prompt people to open up to God. And we can do this through the generosity of our actions, of our, of our lives. So who in the world can you be generous to? Starting today, starting tomorrow, starting the next day, that lifestyle of generosity. Who comes to mind? What comes to mind? And what could be the outcome of your generosity? What could be that outcome be? Sound cool? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much um, that you just model to us how to live, to be generous with our lives, to, to see people for who they are, made in your image, wonderfully made, fearfully and wonderfully made, people that have amazing futures, people that have been through stuff that are broken that need you and need you to just amend them. I pray, Lord, that you help us to be generous with our lives. Help us to continue being generous with our lives. And we pray, Lord, that as we be generous, that you do your thing, that you touch people's hearts, that you help them to ask questions. We pray that scales would be removed from people's eyes so they can actually see you, Lord God, and that they'll actually be able to, we'll be able to share our faith and they'll be able to receive you and start walking it out with you. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.